Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. Today, we are still continuing our trauma series. We've done head, face, C-spine, neck. Today, we are starting chest. Here's our case. Hey, Dr. Olson. This is a John, 47-year-old framer at a construction site. Looks like one of the other workers was using a modified nail gun, which fired, hit John in the right lower anterior chest. We did mark the area. There was no exit wound. Had uh, initial decreased breath sounds on the right side and was satting at about 91%. Applied an occlusive dressing, put him on 15 liters of O2. Not much of an improvement. Did a needle thoracostomy. Improved to 95% and... Uh, was mentating well the entire time. Uh, vital signs, BP 160 over 90, pulse of 120, respirations of 18. Glucose of 112, has a history of hypertension and diabetes. Does not take any meds, has no allergies, and uh, here's a sample of the nail that was inside of the guns there. Yeah. I know, right? Okay, John, good luck. Good luck to you. chest injury. Now, here's the deal with chest injury. There's a lot, a lot, a lot to cover. And I've actually struggled with how to teach this and condense it down. And so the way I'm going to do it is this topic will take two weeks. This episode will cover lung stuff, ribs stuff. Next episode will cover cardiovascular stuff because there's just too much here to cover in less than 10 minutes. The most important thing to remember today are the three critical diagnoses that you need to be putting in every chest injury presentation. Tension pneumothorax, open pneumothorax, and hemothorax. Let's go through a quick approach first, and then we'll dive into each of these individually. First step, remember this is primary survey ATLS. Do a brief physical exam looking for lung injury. Any evidence at all? Is the patient in respiratory distress? Are they hypoxic? Do they have tracheal deviation or obvious injury to the chest, like a bullet wound or a stab wound? Are their breath sounds equal? In ATLS, after you assess airway, you have to do a rapid assessment of their breathing. Step two, if this patient is crashing and hypoxic and in obvious respiratory distress, your attending will be strongly considering whether to place a chest tube. Because of all of our critical diagnoses, tension pneumothorax, open pneumothorax, massive hemothorax, every one of those requires a chest tube. And even though chest tubes do have complications, if the patient isn't doing well, there's a lot of attendings who will just go ahead and place chest tubes. Then the final step, step three, you have to get some sort of image. Now, a CT scan with contrast is the ultimate study you can get. It's the best. And in a stable patient, get a CT scan with contrast if you think something bad might be going on because of mechanism or symptoms or whatever. But you need to know patients die in radiology. I'm only a PGY2, and I've already coded patients. I've personally done the compressions in the CT scanner. It happens all the time. Patients die in radiology. 
only send stable patients to the CT scanner. That means for trauma, what we need is something we can do in the trauma bay on an unstable patient right at bedside. Classically, this image has always been a portable chest x-ray, and it helps us look for pneumothorax and hemothorax. The issue is that it only sees really bad stuff and misses a ton of diagnoses. It's actually, to be honest, not even that good of a test. In my opinion, the way of the future is bedside ultrasound. We're already doing fast scans in every trauma. It only takes a couple extra seconds to look at the lungs, and the sensitivity has already been shown to be way better with ultrasound than with chest x-ray. So pick chest x-ray, pick ultrasound, I don't really care, but unstable patients definitely can't go to radiology. Now let's talk about our critical diagnoses here. The three big ones are tension pneumothorax, open pneumothorax, and hemothorax. In tension pneumothorax, for whatever reason, air and pressure builds up between the chest wall and the lung. It pushes on the lung hard, and it also pushes into the heart hard. The patient gets hypoxic. Their preload drops. It's a disaster. You take the fattest needle you can find, and you stick it in the second rib space right below the midline of the clavicle. You are listening for a whoosh, listening for that air to escape. Then, you're still not done. Place a chest tube at the anterior axillary line about at the level of the nipple, because a chest tube is the definitive treatment for tension pneumothorax. In open pneumothorax, the issue isn't increased pressure between the chest wall and the lung. The issue is a big open wound in the chest that prevents the lung from expanding during inspiration. There's no negative pressure generated by the diaphragm to expand the lung. When the diaphragm contracts, air just rushes in through the big chest wound instead. With this, you seal the wound, classically with a three-sided airtight seal so that air can get out but not in, and again, place a chest tube. In big hemothorax, something inside the chest gets cut. It fills the lung cavity up with blood. This causes hypoxia. Again, it's decreasing preload back to the heart. And obviously, the patient's bleeding, so that just makes the hypotension worse. So how do you treat this? Take a guess. Place a chest tube. Those are the big three diagnoses. Every single one of them gets treated with a chest tube. Before we wrap up, though, Let's go through a few really common, but less dangerous injuries. First, rib fractures. The issue with rib fractures is that they hurt. So the patient doesn't take deep breaths, and they end up dying from pneumonia. You don't treat it with rib binders or surgery or anything crazy. You give patients with rib fractures tons and tons of pain medicine. You want them to not hurt bad when they breathe so that they take big deep breaths, and they don't get pneumonia. And then if there's tons of rib fractures, patients can actually get something called flail chest. Not only don't these patients take deep breaths because they hurt, but when they do take a deep breath, the broken ribs smack the lung tissue and the tissue bruises and fills up in blood. 
these patients get even more hypoxic, and then they breathe faster to compensate for the damaged lung, and the lung gets smacked some more, and the cycle continues. And then small pneumothorax. These really don't matter at all, except in one scenario. Intubation. If you force air into the lungs of patients with even small pneumothorax, it makes the small pneumothorax grow and grow and grow, instead of just spontaneously reabsorbing. But other than that, one specific situation, these small pneumothoraces are really no big deal at all. There's nothing to do. Supportive care. And then last, pulmonary contusion. Remember, you can get this from the flail chest smacking the lung, but you can also just get it. Even small ones kind of tend to spiral and cause respiratory issues. With these, you just treat them with supportive care. I think I'm going to wrap up here. I want to give a special super duper shout out to Aussie nurse Mel and her family today. Holy smokes, Mel. We were talking about how much I loved Australian food, and then Mel sent me the most awesome mid-residency gift I think I've ever received. I got some Tim Tams and some Vegemite, which is interesting. Vegemite is interesting. It is, I'll, I'll give it to you, Mel. It's very good on toast. And then I got some of these Caramello Koalas, which my wife ate, and she left me with just one of them. And I got a calendar and some other cool stuff, too. It was awesome. I think you're awesome. That was really cool. So thank you. Until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.